Alright everybody, welcome back to another episode of Too Many Hobbies. I am your host, Brian Ellithorpe. Today I wanted to do an episode on new hunter information for waterfowl hunting. There's been a few events lately that have got me thinking about this, and I just wanted to take an episode to kind of touch on some points for people who are just getting into waterfowl hunting. So, with that being said, let's roll the show. So in the last couple weeks, I was simultaneously on the news talking about hunting during COVID times, as well as took my cousin out for his first duck hunt. So shout out to Nathan. We took him out on his first hunt, ended up shooting, I think we ended up shooting 15 or 16 divers, and he definitely got spoiled on that hunt. But not only during the news interview, but as well as on that hunt, it got me thinking about a bunch of different information that can help somebody who's just getting into waterfowl hunting. And I made a pretty good point, I thought, on the news interview, talking about anybody that wanted to get into hunting, all they needed to start hunting, besides like a license and all that stuff, Somebody just needs a gun, waders, and some decoys. And honestly, you could get away with not even using decoys and going out and hunting if you know where birds are landing. But for somebody that's going on public land, all they need is a gun, waders, and decoys to start duck hunting. And, you know, anybody can go out and find public land, show up, and shoot ducks. But I think that a lot of the information that I'm going to cover will give people a better idea of what to expect when they get out on a hunt for their first time or just on the the first time by themselves. And it'll get people thinking. So I wanted to kind of touch on some topics that I found important for somebody who's just starting out. So to piggyback off of the equipment topic, the first thing I want to talk about is gun safety. It's important for not only yourself, but for the safety of everybody else out in the marsh or wherever you're hunting, that you know how to handle a gun properly. And you've taken the hunter safety course. They've talked about gun safety, handling weapons. And I think that for waterfall hunting, there's two main things to do to keep yourself and everybody around you safe. And that being said, keep your gun on safe until you're ready to shoot. There's a lot of people that I see in the blind that when they see a bird flying, they turn their safety off. But if that bird doesn't come in, some people forget to turn their safety back on. Now, if you follow the rule of turning your safety off before you shoot, right as you're about to lift your gun, you won't have that issue keeping your gun in the blind or on you, laying on your lap, whatever the case may be, that your gun is always going to be on safe. And with that being said, when you go to shoot your gun, your barrel needs to only stay in the path of the bird that you're going to shoot. Don't be swinging your gun around, pointing it at other people, 
if you're walking into the marsh or walking to the blind, make sure that your barrel is pointed up and away from everybody else or directly at the ground, but preferably up in the air. That way you don't risk, you know, shooting your foot or somebody else's foot. The main two things that I'm that I'm saying right now is to keep your gun on safety until you shoot and do not point, point your barrel at anybody. Especially if you you know, if you know that you unloaded your gun, it's still just a good practice to not point your gun at anybody else. Don't be hanging it off your shoulder, pointing it behind you when there's people walking behind you. Just always keep it in your in the front of your mind that you need to be handling your gun properly and then, you know, you won't have any issues when you're out there. It just becomes second nature handling a gun correctly. And I think that it's a point that gets lost with a lot of people. And, you know, it just becomes an afterthought. But you really need, I can't stress it enough, you need to handle your gun safely and properly. Now, that being said, concealment as in the blind or creating your own concealment around you with vegetation. While you're in the marsh or if you're in a field, you're on the edge of a pond, if birds can see you or birds feel uncomfortable when they're flying in, they are not going to work in and you need to make sure that your concealment is your number one priority after you've, you know, handled your gun correctly. Concealment is the biggest thing in waterfowl hunting, and it is the most lax thing that anybody does when they're out there. A lot of people think because you buy $300 waders that have camouflage on them, you buy a $100 coat with Max 5 or Mossy Oak Blades, that you're automatically concealed. But nobody understands that a lot of that camouflage doesn't always match what you're sitting in there's been plenty of times that I've been sitting in a marsh and I look around and I'm not sitting in cattails I'm sitting in brush or I'm sitting in thicket and it is not the max five that I'm wearing or the optifade or whatever it is camouflage only does so much when you're hunting you need to use your surroundings and it's just like in fishing you need to match the hatch Match what's around you. Use what's around you to conceal yourself. You know, if you need to take a machete with you and cut up some cattails or some brush or whatever and brush in wherever you're sitting and make yourself a blind, you're going to be way more successful than the person that shows up, throws six decoys on the edge of a pond or something, and they sit on the bank. You know, that's not to say that there aren't birds that will work into that, but they're going to be looking down at you going, oh, I wonder why all of those birds are working into their spread. And even if you don't have the biggest spread out there, if the birds can't see you and you're not giving them a reason to go somewhere else, you're going to be successful in shooting birds. So I think that as far as hunting and being successful, concealment needs to be a priority and there's so many different ways that you can conceal yourself that as long as you just take an extra minute and look around and see what you can use, 
then you're going to be just fine. I can use the example of taking Nathan out last week. We showed up and I was setting out decoys and we were using two of my tangle-free panel blinds on a beach. And I saw all of this vegetation behind us and I thought, man, we should take some of that and put that on the front of the panel blinds. And that way we're matching the background as these birds are coming in and it will give them the sense that there's nothing there. And so I put him in charge of doing all of the brushing of the blinds and they looked great when we were sitting in them, but I didn't realize until I got in the boat and went out to go get birds and I turned around to see if they could show me, you know, point me in the direction of a cripple and I couldn't see them. I looked and I had to find the decoys before I could even see the panel blinds. And I think that played a huge role in us being successful that day and shooting as many birds as we did because these birds came floating in almost to the shore. And it's because there was nothing sitting there saying, I shouldn't be here or, you know, tip them off that looked out of the ordinary. That was probably the biggest learning experience for him as far as concealment because the proof was in the pudding in that one. I mean, we were concealed. We were, Nothing could see us. And these birds didn't even think twice when they were coming in. So I think that people need to take a lot more pride in their concealment when they get out in the field and they start trying to shoot birds. That It needs to be a priority for most people. If I can look down and see somebody spread and then tell you which way they're looking at birds they aren't concealed enough. And I see it too much in public marshes. I think that it's something that a lot of people need to think about when they get out and then they wonder why these birds are flaring at 80 yards. It's not the decoy spread. It's you. It's where you are. It's they can see you. So concealment, gun safety, equipment we've covered. I want to talk about locations and you know there's a lot of different areas that people can hunt and I like to use Onyx maps to find spots and um, see what public areas around me I can hunt. I usually have a pretty good idea but I've been finding a lot of spots that I didn't realize were available to me and that also goes with some scouting. I mean I can e-scout on onyx maps and find good spots and then drive to those locations and see if there's birds but marshes lakes fields ponds anything that you can get permission for or that you see as public you need to be scouting these locations to see what kind of birds are in the area but you also need to be aware of the location that you're hunting. If you don't have a boat and you're trying to go into a marsh that's seven foot deep, if you shoot a bird and it's crippled and it's going out in the marsh, you're not going to get that bird. And that's not fair to you. That's not fair to that bird that you're trying to harvest. Um, so that will also help you bring the right equipment if you have it. And I know I'm talking about new hunters, but there are... A lot of people that can start hunting using like their dad's boat or if they have a kayak or something that they can, can like if they can put a blind on a kayak and conceal it well 
there's a lot of different variables for each location that you go to. And I see a lot of people that show up to marshes and don't understand, you know, deep spots, um, don't understand like the vegetation that's in there that might be hard for them to walk through that, you know, there's so many different variables when you show up to different locations that you need to do your homework before you go to these spots to see what you might need. I've had probably four or five hunts this year that I show up to a spot and I go, man, I really wish I would have brought my kayak with my boat just to make it easier on us. And, you know, that's all of that kind of stuff comes from experience. But I also think that a lot of new hunters would have a more enjoyable experience if they took the time to visit the locations that they're going to hunt and, you know, show up, walk through it, take binoculars, see if you can find birds that are sitting in there. You're knocking out two different things when you show up. You're getting a lay of the land, and you're also scouting the location. You might show up to a little marsh that nobody's been hunting and look at it and go, oh, well, nobody's really been here. It's probably not that good. Then you see a group of 200 birds sitting in the back of it. That's a good spot to hunt the next day. Marshes are much different than, you know, your river spots, from a pond, from the lake. I live in an area where I have multiple different kinds of water to hunt as well as fields and things like that. So I have different equipment for each of these setups. For rivers, I have heavier line to uh, combat the current. For the lake, I have longer lines on my decoys. I have a layout boat for the lake. I have a tender boat for the lake. You know, I, I, it all comes with the years of hunting that you realize that you need equipment for different locations. But it's also good to know your limitations when you're hunting these different spots. So if you show up at a river and it's got a really high current and you only have four ounce Texas rigs, you're most likely not going to be able to keep your decoys where you put them. So you need to keep that in consideration. Also, if you shoot a bird in a river that has high current, you have to get that bird. You might not be able to catch up to that bird, and especially if it's crippled and it's swimming down with the current. It's just it's imperative that you do your homework for all of these different locations that you have the right equipment and that you, you're not only keeping yourself safe by checking this, these spots out and, you know, taking notes of each place, but you're also going to make your experience more enjoyable as a new hunter than showing up to a really populated marsh and not getting any chance to hunt to shoot good birds because everybody's sky busting or you know whatever the case may be there's so many different variables for these different locations that you want to take into account and I know that there's people that you know maybe a public marsh that you can walk in is the only thing that you have access to because you have a gun waders and decoys and you don't have a boat you don't have a kayak but there's also plenty of other marshes that you could look at there's different river beds that are shallower maybe with not as high of current places that you can walk to and you're if you see locations that you want to hunt 
you're more than welcome to ask the local DNR and see what they know about it. Use them as a resource. Use them to make sure that you're not wasting your time going out and hunting a spot that you might not be able to and do yourself a favor. So my main point here is scout the locations that you're going to hunt and make sure that it's a viable place for you to hunt with the equipment that you have. And if you don't have the right equipment, then you know you can either go buy the right equipment if you're in a financial spot that you can afford it, or you can plan for it with somebody who does have that equipment. And you know somebody a little bit more experienced will have a boat, and maybe they didn't look at that spot. And then you say, well, you know, I found this great spot, but I don't have the boat. If you bring your boat, we can go hunt this spot. It's a good way to socialize in the sport. And it's also a great way for you to experience different places like that. And it gives you an idea of what you might need to buy to hunt these spots down the road. So... Location, location, location. And that goes for scouting too. I think that a lot of new hunters get kind of caught up in the equipment part of the sport. And not a lot of people take the time to drive around and scout and see what birds are in the area. I mean, these aren't fish. Like, we're not going to a pond and, oh, yeah, there's bass in here, there's crappie, whatever. We're going out and looking for the birds that are in active migration, and that can change any day. If you look and see a bunch of birds on the lake that you're going to hunt or in the marsh that you're going to hunt, and then there's a full moon with a 15-mile-an-hour north wind, chances are that the there's not going to be e- either those birds are going to get out that night and go somewhere else or they're gonna I mean they're gonna change locations no matter what and there's the likelihood of new birds coming into that exact same spot is pretty low unless it's a very well-known spot like a refuge which you can't hunt a refuge obviously but (laughs) um you just need to keep all these things in consideration um scouting is going to make you the most successful that you possibly can be and it'll give you the best chance if you see a hundred birds going into a spot every single night and then you show up the next day and the weather conditions have not been drastically changed there's a really high probability that those birds are going to come back to the same place and as long as you are concealed and you have the right equipment to get these birds to get to the area that these birds are at you're in you're in pretty good situation to shoot those birds the next day so i think that everybody should keep that in mind i think that a lot of people kind of overlook scouting they just want to show up and hope that they have a great day but you're going to be the one at the boat ramp empty-handed while these guys come in with a four-man limit of birds because they looked at a spot 500 yards from you and you weren't on the x like they were and it's a 
it really crushes your soul when you see that. When you see people come to the exact same place that you were, but they're set up just a bit further down or out or wherever it is. And it's all because those people took the time to do their homework to find these birds. And it could be you. As long as you just take some time, you have a vehicle just like those people do. Just drive around. It's boring or can be. It's tedious. It takes time. But it just depends on how badly you want to go out and shoot birds. You know, it's not always going to work in your favor that you show up to hunt and there's birds in that spot. It's pretty rare. Um, It's just scouting is very important. And especially the later in the season, these birds get very picky of where they're going to stay. They start to learn where the pressure is. And you really need to do more scouting as the year goes on. Because these birds, you know, residential birds at the beginning of the year are easy to shoot. They're not, they haven't had pressure all summer. And they're pretty much everywhere. But as the year goes on, these new birds move in. New birds are showing up and they don't know where they're safe yet. But you give them a week with people going around blasting at them, they figure it out pretty quick. And... It's just beneficial for you and whoever you're hunting with that somebody, if not all of you, take the time to drive around, look for birds, get some binoculars, just start looking around glass and areas, and you'll be glad you did. There will be plenty of times where you'll you'll show up at the boat ramp and you've done your homework and somebody else sits there and goes, oh man, I didn't know that there was that many birds out there. Well, you probably didn't show up the night before and look like we did. So another thing, and I think my last two points here, setting up in areas where other people are, there's some ethical parts of hunting that I think new people don't understand when they start hunting. And it creates a lot of commotion for experienced hunters that are hunting public land. The ethical things that I want to touch on, number one, is setting up too close to other hunters. There's, I like to stay at least 300 yards away from somebody that's hunting. If they've already found a spot and I can see their lights and stuff, if it's really crowded, 300 yards is about the the most or the, the shortest distance that I'll go. And that's just to give us both some room. And normally I won't set up if I can see them like real well. Um, That's just me personally. I know there's other people that say 200 yards is enough or whatever. Um, I just don't like being that close to people in general. I mean, you know, it's COVID. We have to social distance. My social distance is 300 yards. (laughs) And uh, I'm kidding. But... Um, keeping your distance from other people will just, it'll make everybody's life easier. Then you don't have the confrontations and in the parking lot and things like that. Your best bet is if you see somebody, just go to a different spot. Not saying that you need to drive to a different location, but 
for most public land, it's large enough that you can set up a few hundred yards away from somebody and not be ruining their hunt. And I think that it's, it would help out everybody if everybody thought the same way about that. Um, there are people that just don't care or, you know, people that come out and, oh, I just, just coming out here to hopefully shoot a bird or two. It's like, well, you could do that somewhere else. You can do that 300 yards away instead of setting up 150 yards from somebody and intruding on their hunt, especially if they got there before you, you need to just, just respect the other people that are out there. We're all trying to do this. We're all trying to accomplish the same thing here. We're all out there for the same reason. And there's just no point in somebody setting up that close. And, you know, if you set up close to somebody else and they have a better spread than you, you're going to be sitting there all day watching them shoot birds, wondering why birds aren't coming over into your spread anyway. So make sure that when you get out there, you keep your distance from other hunters. It'll make everybody's life easier, and it's just a good habit to get into. Um, if somebody takes you to a spot if you've been invited on a hunt one of the biggest rules is don't go back to that spot if you were invited there um even if it's public land it's just a, a courtesy to that person that you know brought you there and they said you know if somebody invites you somewhere to a spot that they've done their homework at and you go there and you shoot a bunch of birds but then you go, oh, yeah, I'm going to come back here tomorrow. You know, that kind of rubs that person the wrong way. I've had it happen to me plenty of times. And so now I'm pretty picky about spots that I go to and who I'm taking where. But it's just a nice courtesy to the person that invited you, especially if they brought all their equipment. And, you know, you, you don't want to go back there and shoot out that hole, especially if it's a pretty secret spot that this person took you to and they're hoping that the birds are going to be less pressured in that spot you know do them a favor don't show back up there the next day and shoot those same birds you know give it give the spot some rest see if that person invites you back out you know just be be courteous of people that stick their neck out for you or that you know take you and they didn't have to. That's how I see it. I'm pretty sure that there's going to be a lot of people that would agree with that. So, And my last main ethical point would be don't be the person that shows up at shooting light. If you know that you're going to be late, just do an afternoon hunt. Don't be the guy that comes rolling through, especially if you're on a river or if you're in the marsh and you come walking through while birds are working first thing at first light that it just it irritates me I know it irritates a lot of people and those are normally the people that'll show up and they just find the first spot and they just set up right next to somebody because they're trying to rush to get out there to be set up you know five minutes before shooting time or whatever if you know that you're going to be late more than likely all the spots are going to be filled anyway, especially earlier in the season when a lot of people like hunting the, the more fair weather. Um, just don't be the person that shows up at shooting time, comes driving their boat through, and 
ruining everybody else's chances just because they're trying to get out there and or they wanted to sleep in and they didn't care you know you don't want to be that guy and it's not fair to everybody around you that has gotten up at four you know three four o'clock in the morning to go out there and get a good spot it's just nice for everybody else don't be that guy and everybody will be happy now my last and probably the most important I mean, I'm saying that all of these are important, but this one's big just because, well, it's bird identification. If you go out and shoot birds, you should know what you're shooting. And I know a lot of new hunters go out there and they, you know, they don't, they don't know what birds are as they're flying in, but it's important that you study the bird identification posters, take your time reading through the Ducks Unlimited bird identification I think that's on their app um, I know that they've got it on their website uh, there's DNR pamphlets and things like that that will help you identify birds and while it comes with a lot of experience it birds are vastly different I mean a mallard and a widgeon and a redhead they're all very different and they're very identifiable when it comes down to like black ducks and mottled ducks, you know, you've got that whole issue um, where, you know, that one's a tough one. But for pretty much everything else flying in, especially once the sun comes up, you should be able to see what that bird is as it's flying in and know what you're shooting. They put limits on these birds for a reason. I mean, it's not a suggestion. It's a law you get fined if you go over your limit it's a rule that's there for a reason and you don't want to get those tickets because they're expensive and it's it's just it's important that you know what you're shooting and obviously a lot of people say oh i know it's a duck but I mean, in my area, there's so many different ducks. We've got diver ducks. We've got puddle ducks. And it's important to know what all of those are as they're coming in. Now, obviously, if you can't tell the difference between, like, uh, a ringneck and a bluebill coming in. Well, if you've shot your limit of bluebills, don't shoot at that redneck um, (laughs) ringneck unless you know for sure it's a ringneck. And there are, I know I can tell the difference once they get close enough, but when they're flying in at 40 yards, a ring ring neck looks like a bluebill. And once it gets a little closer, then you can start seeing the differences. But that comes with time. It comes with experience. So if you don't know your bird identification, don't go out on your own. It's a very touchy subject for a lot of people that start hunting. And they go, well, I just don't know the difference then you should wait and get some more experience and go with somebody that does know those birds and can keep you within your limits and make sure that they know what they're shooting and eventually you'll get the hang of it it doesn't it's not hard once you start realizing you know sizes of birds how they fly what noises they make and you know what i mean not 
not often that you shoot a wood duck in the middle of the lake when you're layout diver hunting. So you're not really going to have to think about think about that. But and that's just one like uh outlandish example, but I mean when you see mallards working in, when you see um wood ducks flying in, when you see buffies flying they all have different characteristics and that helps you with the limits that we're given. Bird identification, I think, is the one that's going to save you the most money, for sure. You don't want to be shooting at swans when you're trying to shoot geese. Those ones are super easy to tell. I mean, those things, I mean, but you see it every day. My buddy Mike today just told me. He saw somebody shoot a swan in the marsh that he was hunting, and DNR showed up, and the same guy that shot this swan was also, I guess, wanted for shooting a wood duck during teal season. And it's just knowing what birds you're harvesting is crucial. You've, you're only allowed six birds, seven in some areas, but the limits are different state to state, and it's just important that you know what you're shooting, and it'll make not only make your hunt easier, better, more enjoyable, but it'll keep you within the legality of the sport. So with that being said, I think I covered everything that I wanted to cover if anybody thinks of anything that they want me to cover as far as like maybe an intermediate type podcast for waterfowl, um, please just let me know in the comments. If you're listening on YouTube, um, shoot me a message on Instagram. Um, if you guys get a chance, check out Brian Althorpe Media on YouTube. That's where this episode is going to be posted, and I've got a lot of hunting videos, fishing videos, things like that on my uh, on my channel. Please make sure to like videos, subscribe, comment, let me know what you guys think. Um, follow me on Instagram, Too Many Hobbies Podcast, Brian Althorpe Media, Brian Althorpe. Um, yeah, I think that's it. I appreciate you guys tuning in. And we'll catch you on the next one.